<laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode. And please, please allow me to introduce my guest today. Her and I have been uh, trying to make this happen for a while, and I'm glad to finally welcome her onto the show. Joe, how are we doing? Hi, Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to finally I'm doing see good. you. <laughs> nice to see you too. It really is. It's been a while. Yeah, you and I have been uh, talking for quite some time trying to make this happen. But uh, for those that don't know, actually, me and Joe have been chatting for a little close to about half a year now. And um, we've actually become pretty good friends along the way. She's uh, helped me with some things as well. As you all know, 2021 was a little bit of a rough patch year, but she um, helped me some stuff there. People have been asking for her. So um, probably to the shock and dismay of her. Would you ever expect people wanted to hear from you? No, I didn't really expect it, no. I was quite surprised to hear from you. But um, I have heard from a few people over the years that they want to hear what happened, da-da-da, mainly talking about, not talking about real world, I'm talking about the gauntlet, but like loads of people want to hear my version of the story. So uh, yeah. here I am. <laughs> here you are. And we're going to probably get to that too, but... You know, I kind of want to give everybody like a little bit of a background. We'll work our way up because there is more to you than just cool. what happened there. Yeah. You know, you've got your real world and then you got your pre-real world. And, um, you know, we're just going to get right to it from the start, obviously. But I want to start by asking, like, how have you been recently? Um, you know, I know it's been a while that a lot of people have heard from you. And we've, of course, in the world had the past two years have had uh, a pandemic going on. No secret there. So, uh yeah. <laughs> Have you, are you healthy? Like, is everything fine in your neck of the woods? Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, the pandemic was, I mean, it's still pretty daunting. We're still wearing masks here. Um, and it still feels a little bit strange. I haven't actually gone out into a big group yet. So... Um, I'm waiting to like get out to the cinema or the theater or a concert or something, but I haven't done that yet. So I still, when I get in a big group or like what feels like a bigger group, yeah. I still feel a bit weird, <laughs> yeah. but, um, I'm sure that will go away again soon because summer's heading in and the beaches are going to be full. And, um, so yeah, I mean, uh, I live in Spain now, so. Oh, wow, nice beaches and I'm coastal so um I can walk down which is nice so yeah everything's been going pretty good um I live a pretty quiet normal life now so it's uh changed a lot from when I was in the U.S. last so would you consider yourself more of a beach sunny outdoors person or like a indoors kind of movie show concert type of girl both oh best of both worlds <laughs> I mean, I love I love the beach and the, and the hot weather. That's why I live in Spain now, basically. Yeah. Um, I lived a lot of years in the mountains before skiing and doing all those things. I haven't done any of that in years. Um, but I definitely, definitely like to get out. I mean, definitely the cinema, film, all the arts. I'm, I love museums for artwork. I, you know, I love all those things. Um, I don't live in a big city now, but I've got Valencia really close and Alicante really close. So I can enjoy that kind of culture when I when I want to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, and I'm sure for the for the hardcore fans that remember real world San Francisco, they would would remember that you were a big rock climber back then. Any any of that in recent years, or have you kind of put that on the back burner? Gosh, yeah, I think my um, sport has, or what I do in terms of sport has evolved. Like I haven't rock climbed in a long time. I did do it after real world um, for a while, and my brother got um into it as well so when i come back to england we would go out climbing together and sport climbing mainly and uh we we did that for a little while but um and i was mountain biking and and obviously skiing when i lived in tahoe in the mountains but you know i've moved around a lot so um I'm just trying to, without like skipping too much, I lived in Santa Barbara for like seven years and there I got into yoga and I started getting to more of kind of growing myself spiritually. Mm-hmm. Um, so that whole sport thing took a new path because I was then exploring more yoga and running and uh, now I do the same, more yoga and running, um, Zumba, yeah i i I know yoga is nothing real edgy now nothing real edgy but i would do it i just don't get out you know yeah i i know yoga is kind of like a thing that a lot of people that they do they almost take on like a spiritual aspect of it something about yoga makes them kind of like more zen yeah i mean i definitely was looking for something uh, in terms of religion at that stage um, and spirituality. And I'd explored um, a little bit of Buddhism before. Um, and I actually actually met my spiritual master at that time, who is a part of the Hare Krishna movement. And mm-hmm. so, which the Hare Krishna movement, what we follow is called Bhakti Yoga. So it's kind of like what we do in life as as yoga but also there's the physical yoga as well so since then i've kind of moved forward not always doing the right thing not always yeah. being the right person but always trying to get back to that place right yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> so how often if ever do you think back to that time period um when you were you know doing shows and then kind of living that uh la life with the 15 minutes how often do you uh, think back to it, if ever? Um, I mean, it doesn't really come up in my life so much anymore. Um, I guess, like, I took an MA when I went back to England and I was in uni again. Um, and it came up a bit more in that kind of environment where people are really exploring you and kind of we're pulling all the fun things out of each other's past, you know? So I did get to talk about it a little bit more at that stage and reminisce. Um, and real world obviously was my better experience. Um, so I haven't really uh, looked into Gauntlet yet, apart from yeah. with you, like what we yeah. talked about and, and getting into it today. Um, I've never seen it. I still haven't seen it. <laughs> hey, maybe maybe one day you and I will uh, check it out ourselves when the time's right. We should. 
should. Yeah. I think it'll be good. It'll be good. Yeah, because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm all into um, understanding the self and mm-hmm. making myself into a better version of myself every time. So I think the avoidance of doing that, um, like, stopped me from growing. But I think there's some things maybe to explore still there. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, back to the talking about reminiscing no i don't really do it so once in a while i see a photo come up or something and i'll think about things fondly or you know i'll see something one of the roommates has done on facebook or you know mm. so yeah it's not, not it's not like a big thing anymore <laughs> but it but it's never like a traumatic thing when you see something right like if you see a picture maybe of an old photo you don't like get triggered by anything no, no, not really. I mean, especially not of real world. Real world was yeah, that was... was really sweet, lovely time. Um, and I have very fond memories of it uh, and sad memories of it too because I lost Pedro, as you know. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure we'll, we'll talk more about that. But um, So, yeah, but that was a really heartfelt thing. And that was what, how I really felt like real world began like we were all being really honest and being ourselves and we weren't trying to date each other we were trying to get to know each other and um it was really sweet it was (laughs) it it was was. I mean I just my only regret that I wasn't there for the whole time you know because obviously I came in late and there is a whole thing about that you know you come in late and everybody else has already bonded and they've already got their storylines going and um and everyone you know would say to me you need to get your agenda out there and I was like what is my agenda you know (laughs) 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 and I'm like I think I'm doing my agenda I'm living my agenda because I'm living as a vegan and that was so unheard of then you know Mm. and so that was I think the interest in me was one of the initial interests in me from production side was, was that, mm-hmm. you know, because it was unusual. Um. <laughs> You're right. It, it was sweet and it's crazy, Joe. It does not exist today. You know, like we don't get people just sitting around the living room having just conversations about life anymore. It's reality oh. TV is unfortunately taking a turn for the worst, I feel like. But I don't think it necessarily that really concerns you or I, and that's not really our call, but I'm just pointing out an objective uh, opinion on my part. Yeah, at least. but that's yeah. just reality TV, right? Not not your life, like in yeah. general, your young life. No, I'm asking, like in your young life, you go out there, I mean, you obviously do because you've approached so many people but and got to know them, but I'm just wondering if this is a thing that has gone from reality tv to actual life or do you think that people really sit down and have those deep conversations now i think that those conversations are probably things that only typically occur within inner circles um i think that reality tv has probably taken on a bit of an identity similar to how social media is it's almost like social media like you see tweets comments it's almost like those tweets and comments are just in a superficial artificial kind of setting now on reality tv where people are just kind of like shin deep in the water i guess in terms of what they talk about and what goes down it's more based around like fighting and relationships i guess drama yeah so 
Yeah. That's what I would say. But um, I do want to now. Oh, no. Did you have something to say? No, no. Go. Go ahead. Okay. Um, yeah, I was going to now kind of want to get into and uh, segue into how you got on the show. Like, what was um, your casting process and story like? Maybe what prompted you to audition and how the actual story from what you could remember went down? Yeah, I mean, I've got to say that I never applied. Um, and it's kind of a magical story, really, because I was life young and free in 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 Lake Tahoe and I had gotten married and the relationship had fallen apart mm-hmm. and I had just left that relationship and gotten a job and I was in college and taking classes and supporting myself so here you know when I think about that now I didn't really think about it then but when I think about that now I'm like well, I was like 21 years old. I didn't have anybody out there. I didn't have any family. I had no support. So everything I did came from from me, you know, and I didn't always do the right thing. I certainly didn't. But wow, I mean, when I think about that now, I'm like, I was really brave. <laughs> oh, yeah, that is a lot of bravery. <laughs> so I'd left this relationship and I just... um started working at Bennigan's in one of the casinos and I was a I was a door host hostess oh, wow. <laughs> and I went into I'd been out rock climbing that day and I had a fantastic day so I was buzzing I was like so happy and like full of myself and I checked in at work and I was in the back office and my boss said to me oh I think some people are coming in from MTV tonight um, and I was like, what's all that about? And he's like, well, they're doing this show, blah, blah, blah. And I had seen, before I came out to America, I had seen like a couple of the episodes of New York, which I was in love with. Um, so I knew, I I vaguely knew the show, but I didn't really, you know, I wasn't like a big fan or anything, but I kind of remembered Eric and, <laughs> 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 and, um, like 21, you know, so yeah. <laughs> break. everybody remembers Eric. <laughs> <laughs> and we actually, actually ended up each other later, you know, we had good conversations and stuff when we got together on reunions and, and enjoyed each, other, each other's company. So, and it was great to meet him because he was one of the first people yeah. that I remember seeing on TV that I met in real life, you know, so... <laughs> Um, so anyway, I was in the back office and my boss was saying, oh, it's this show. And he said, I've heard they're going to be, they're, they're scouting for a, a new roommate. And I, t- I just literally, the words flew out of my mouth. I just went, looked at him and I went, it's going to be me. And I sh- went out, shut the door, put my little apron thing on to him and said it was going to be me. I left and went to the front desk or whatever you call it, hostess stand. Yeah. And I started working and I forgot all about it until these two guys came in and they um, said to me, oh, we're from MTV, blah, blah, blah. We're bringing some people in. And it was two of the producers, uh, George and Clay. And uh, I started chatting to them and, and, you know, 
uh, I can't remember what I was saying, but I, I remember just being really bubbly because I was in such a great mood. And they said to, they asked me if I could go and sit with them. And while they had some drinks or some food, I think they had food and then the, the, the roommates came in later. And uh, my boss was there and he said, yeah, yeah, sure, go, go, go and sit with them, go and sit with them, which was really nice because I was working after all. So I went and sat and they, you know, we just were talking and I was bubbly and I didn't think anything of it really at the time. But mates came in and they went into the bar next door because I was in the restaurant part. So I didn't actually see the roommates. I never saw them. Uh, all I met were the two producers. And they said to us, we're looking for someone would, and, and you re really seem like you would fit. Would you come and uh, uh, or uh, do an interview on camera tomorrow? So I said, yeah, sure. And uh, I went out that night. I was drinking. I was <laughs> <laughs> all the things you shouldn't do. I should have gone home, put on a face mask, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I went and I just I got up the next morning and went and we did it outside by in front of the lake because I was living in Lake Tahoe and again just a bunch of questions and I just remember being you know just being myself I was I'm, I'm a really optimistic person so and I'm bubbly and happy most of the time so <laughs> contrary to what they might have shown on the gauntlet <laughs> but that's a whole nother thing <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, and you know, I get along with everyone. I'm not, I'm not real controversial. I don't really like confrontation or fights or anything like that. So, I think they thought I was a good fit, you know, because they didn't want any more trouble in the house after Puck, you know. They wanted somebody who wasn't gonna stir the boat, stir the pot, you know, or rock the boat. So. Uh, I remember getting a call from them another couple of days later and they flew me to San Francisco for another meeting. And then after that, I flew to Los Angeles to Buena Murray to meet everybody else. Mm -hmm. And um, I know that Mary Ellis didn't like me very much. <laughs> <laughs> um, but everybody else did. And so came up with this thing where they would send three people in and that's how um they said to me they phoned me up and said we're going to send three people in and if you get chosen then you move straight in so um, you need to make sure everything's taken care of <laughs> you need to make sure everything's taken care of before you um come to San Francisco basically and I was mm -hmm. in I was in college so I went to the dean and showed him my grades and everything and I said I've just been invited to do this tv show but it's in San Francisco so can I finish my uh semester um as homeschool and they let me wow um, and all I had to do was fly up a couple of times for exams so I just flew from San Francisco to Tahoe a couple of times to take exams. So this, you were taking exams while you were filming the show? Yeah, I mean, I was studying while I was on the that's show. Crazy. I mean, wow, we that's... were all doing something. I think Rachel was 
if she was doing anything. I think she was the only one that didn't have anything going on. Corey was studying. Pam was studying. I mean, we were just living our lives. That was what was so different, I think, is that everybody else, we were like trying to live our lives, you know? And the new shows, they don't do that, do they? They No. School doesn't exist (laughs) for new shows. (laughs) I mean, they didn't show any of it. I don't... Yeah. Showed any of it. I can't even remember now. But I went up a couple of times. They filmed me going up. Mm. Um... But, you know, it's not the most exciting television, is it? <laughs> Somebody going up, yeah. <laughs> taking a test. So, yeah, um, I understand why they cut things the way they do because, you know, normal life is normal life. You know, it's mundane some of the time or a lot of the time. So, yeah, um, and then so I got all that sorted out and then I went to San Francisco with, like, I didn't have much, you know. I come from England with one backpack I had this little tiny backpack about this big. I had a ski boot bag. <laughs> I had some skis. Um, I really didn't have a lot, you know? Yeah. And so it wasn't hard to kind of move from one place to another, but it was also quite hard moving in with all the other kids who had come from their homes and had brought great big suitcases. And, right. You know, I was kind of like a refugee arriving with <laughs> with nothing um so yeah I did find it a little bit difficult in that sense I always felt like oh I don't have any clothes or you know that kind of thing but hey I know I was never one to let stuff like that bothered me bother me so we soon got over that but yeah then I went and did the the whole you know they let us in one by one and they interviewed us with the housemates and as you know the story turned out they picked me (laughs) I do remember that story (laughs) That, that I was know why I'm laughing, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I think I have an idea as well. <laughs> that that was interesting because I look at so many of the variables that went into that situation. You walk into a house, you're by nature like a pretty quiet, you know, individual. You know what I'm saying? And you're being tasked with the idea of having to replace, you know, a guy like Puck, who is like one of the most yeah. polarizing you know, figures to ever be on this show. And especially at that time period, I don't think that's anything that anybody had seen really before. So you're talking about two vastly different people. And um, you're pretty much just having like a cold call there, just having to kind of impress these people and show them like why they would want to choose you to live with them. And not only that, you're going up against people like, you know, (laughs) it's crazy how history works itself. Now, Mark Long is one of the people that you're, uh, kind of up against with the roommates choosing and then you get picked over him and he's now considered the godfather of uh this whole operation and he's still uh you know doing things but um it's kind of crazy that you replace a guy like puck and then you get picked over mark long who everybody knows who he is today which has got to be like such an honor to uh be picked in general (laughs) but just almost like feels like a dream almost you know Yeah, I mean, it really was at the time. I mean, it wasn't such a dream as I thought. When I first got the contract, I thought this is going to be it. You know, I'm going to be famous. I'm going to have money. I'm going to never have to worry about anything. And then I looked at the contract and saw how much we were being paid. And I was like, you are joking me. I could not believe it. You know, I was like, and I actually tried to fight it a little bit at first, but they just, they were like Stonewall, you know? Yeah. 
do it, then don't do it. You know, basically, if you don't want to do it, that. So I thought, well, at 20, what are you doing at 21? I was in college. I lived in America. I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. You know, all the other kids in the house had their lives mapped out. You know, Judd was going to be a cartoonist and Pam was going to be a doctor. And, you know, it was just like, it was it was difficult for me in that sense because I didn't have that foundation, you know. Yeah. But I enjoyed it all the same. What was your dynamic like uh, in years that would uh, proceed, like with Mark, like after you know he kind of uh, did? Did he did he cold shoulder you a little bit or have like any uh, envy? I, I, I mean, I I think that Mark never liked me because of that. Really? You no. Know? Um, you know, he has got a big ego. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen enough of him and I don't watch. I'm not talking about what's going on now because I don't know. But just from being around in those early days. Yeah, I mean. There, there was always this kind of tension, but I've only seen I've only met him like a couple of times. So, you know, who knows? I mean, he's probably I don't know. I don't know if he's a nice guy or not, to be honest. I just, <laughs> is that a bad thing to say? I don't know. I don't know if we would get along. I don't know if we would gel. You know, I'm pretty easygoing. So <laughs> I, I pretty much get along with everybody. But, um, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. What what about the guy you replaced, Puck? Did you ever what did you, like what did you hear about him like before moving in? And then maybe did you get the chance to meet him? And if so, like did those descriptions by the roommates coincide with the Puck that you met? <laughs> yeah, I I didn't know anything about Puck before moving in. Um, they just said that a roommate was leaving. Um, but obviously, once I'd gotten in. I got the full story. All the roommates told me different parts of it, but not, not in a gossipy way. Not, it was just coming out, you know, it wasn't, it, it was different then. It was really different. And I met Puck a few days later. Um, he was outside of the house <laughs> and he used to knock around, you know, sometimes he'd show up. So we were all, <laughs> We were all messing around and Judd came out with this joke and I, they wouldn't say it. And I'm like, I'll say it. And so I went out onto the balcony and Puck was down with his bike, you know, and, uh, and we were okay with each other. We were kind of, you know, young people, you know, get along. So we, we were, we weren't really having any problem with each other, but I think, I can't remember before or after we'd been to Hawaii and uh, this joke came out. So it was like, knock, knock. And he says, who's there? No, it wasn't a knock, knock joke. No, it was a what's the difference joke. What's the difference between Puck and the pool table? And <laughs> Puck's like, what is the difference? And I'm like, the pool table's still in the house. <laughs> <laughs> it's cheesy. It was a Judd joke, right? <laughs> well, Judd was the dad. Judd was the dad of the family, even at 22 or 23, however old he was then. Judd was the dad. <laughs> so that was his. <laughs> I'm sure he's a great dad now, though. I'm sure he's really, yeah. you know, embraced that role, both of them. I'm sure they're wonderful parents. 
So did you enjoy your did you enjoy your encounters with Puck? Like, do you feel like um, he's misunderstood, or do you feel like some of uh, the opinions about him are brought upon rightfully so? Do you know what? I always wanted to like Puck. I always really wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt and and understand where he was coming from. And I tried, and I tried, and we've been we used to hang out like after the shows, and I was. When I first came from San Francisco, I lived in Manhattan Beach and I used to go up to L.A. sometimes and hang out with Peter Murray and meet up with him. Um, you know, we'd race cars around, do stupid stuff. <laughs> he brought a snake out to lunch with us. I wore it around my neck, you know, wow. like, you know, it was, we we got along because we, we had a lot in common. But there's a side to Puck that um, and there's a side to all of us, but. Um, there's a side to Puck that is really damaged. And, um, but, you know, when you continue to keep making the same mistakes, then you can't give excuses for that anymore. So, um, and we weren't friends up until a few years ago. I mean, even on just on Facebook, you know, but any, I don't want to say what happens, but you know, he's not around anymore anyway. So, Mm-hmm. I haven't really had any contact with him in, in you know, it's got to be about five or seven, five to seven years at least. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It doesn't seem like many people really know about uh, his whereabouts, but, um, you yeah. know, we're obviously, we're obviously still wishing well for him. Um, exactly. As, yeah. as we would anybody, you know, but. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So you were kind of having a few factors work against you, I guess you could say in the aspect that like, historically speaking whenever someone comes into the house later usually their storyline is to take like a little bit of a backseat but i felt like especially in this case because of who you were replacing and then you throw in the fact of the storyline going on with pedro you had a uh, a young adult um dealing with like aids on national television that's obviously going to take precedent yeah. and take um the bigger story um and push to the forefront um but we didn't really get to see like as much maybe I feel like as your story as we probably could have or should have. Um, we did see kind of in the first beginning episodes of your arrival. I mean, you had a uh, a court date that you had to go to. What was what was that situation about? Like going on to the show? Yeah, I mean, that was because I was going through a divorce. <laughs> okay. There was a restraining <laughs> order, right? There was a restraining order. Yeah. Yeah, okay. and that was very sad. Um, look, I young and I'd never really seen an example of a good marriage in my life, and um, I came out to America. I had a visa for six months. I met this guy. He was he was older than me, like at least ten years. Um, I can't even remember how old he was now, but. I, I remember it was, you know, there was a gap, and I, I loved him, like, but in that really kind of naive, um, youthful love, which didn't really understand what a marriage was, or, but I honestly went into that marriage with full intent of living it out, you know, I never went in thinking, oh, I'll just play with this for a while, or whatever, it was, it was a serious thing for me. Um, but 
I wasn't equipped for wasn't equipped for it, and I didn't know that person well enough. Mm. And things got difficult, and um, there were some situations that, um, well, without wanting to say, without wanting to speak badly about anyone, all these years later, you know, that um, got a little out of hand, and so I had to reply apply for a restraining order and and get out. And uh, that was really difficult to be going through in the house because none of those kids like understood. Like probably you're sitting there going, "What is she talking about?" But like um, it was really difficult to be going through in a bunch of house in, in the house with kids that knew nothing about any of that. Nobody right. even thought about any of that, you know. Hmm. So yeah, that was one of the things that on really got explored was why I chose that why I did that you know what what you know what was going on in me that I felt the need to do that at 21 years old to somebody I had only met six months before you know what was I running from what were my problems where why did I come to America when I was 21 but what what happened before that I lived in France when I was 16 by myself without my you know I moved I left home when I was 16 so but none of that was explored, you know, and um, it could have been, there was a lot to tell, but it, I didn't really mind that so much, you know, because I knew that what was happening with Pedro was so important mm -hmm. that it had to take precedence over whatever had happened with me in my yeah. past. And um, so I never really felt resentful or, um like that was unfair i just felt like what a shame that would would have been a good opportunity for me to really explore myself and i didn't get that opportunity there so yeah. like the other i felt like the others did get a really good opportunity to like explore themselves yeah are you comfortable sharing like what maybe prompted you to move to america when you were 16 like were you just trying to find like a better living for yourself or no, I was I was 21 when I moved to America. I was 16 okay. when I moved to France. Oh, France yeah, right. I mean, I just didn't have a very good home life. And I wasn't, uh, there were some things that happened to me when I was younger, which we can talk about later when we address Gauntlet. Uh, yeah. It's, part, it's partly connected to that. And um, there are some things that I'm still exploring that I don't know about. Like, I still don't know if if there's something more to more behind to my reaction to things and mm -hmm. um we i talked to you a little bit about that before didn't yeah. i um so yeah i mean i just i what was going on around me growing up and i didn't want that for myself right I, like a lot of the girls that i knew growing up by the time they were 21 they were living in a council house with three kids and maybe had a man and maybe not and I just didn't want that for myself. So I, I did what I could to get out, you know, and I didn't, my, my, I didn't really have like parental support like that. My mum was very supportive, but she was very laissez-faire. So she'd be like, you can do anything, go do what you want to do. And that's exactly what I did, you know, but mm -hmm. because I was lacking in foundation and support, financial, emotional, 
um, a bit of a rough ride sometimes. <laughs> I'm sure it was a rough ride, but I mean, I think it all works out for a reason. I mean, you did make something for yourself, I feel like, for a while, you know, and we're going to get into more of those things as this progresses. Um, I guess I want to first bring up the fact that you're, I believe, the first documented person on television to use or invent the word vegan, if I'm if I'm <laughs> correct. I believe so. I don't know if I'm the first person, I don't think I was the first person to ever use it, but I feel like within this Realm. forum, I was, yeah, definitely. Um, and I feel like it re like because it was so popular MTV at that point. What I did was reached a lot of people's ears. Whereas mm. you know, I know that there was like a, a a BBC documentary in the 70s about a vegan family, but who was watching that? Not a bunch of you know 13 Kids. to 35 yeah. year olds. Yeah, no, they weren't watching that. So. Instrumental in getting, you know, that word out there or helping mm -hmm. people understand more about veganism and vegetarianism. Well, hopefully you could reach my ears. I got to clean up the earwax so I could hear you more about <laughs> maybe becoming a vegan. <laughs> well, it's certainly it's certainly a good thing for everybody. The more vegan, the better, right? I mean. We've all had that education now. I think I feel like I can say this safely now without like people jumping on me, like because we've had so much more education now, um, mm -hmm. and we've all we all know somebody who's a vegetarian or vegan or who eats that way because they like it. Yeah, choices are there now because before we didn't have the choices. I mean, I was eating chips and salad, like <laughs> everywhere I went, you know, you got right. chips and salad for years. Um, and that was all you could eat, but outside of home and everything at home had to be cooked from scratch, you know? Um, but I love cooking, so <laughs> I still cook. I still cook a lot. Um, and what's funny is now I live in Spain and like these are some of the biggest meat eaters in the world. And when I was vegan, I moved to America and those are some of the biggest meat eaters in the world. So it seems to be following me around like I, I keep moving to the next country and I'm trying to battle that one next. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do have to ask you about a few uh, more people from your original ro uh, real world season before we um, close the real world topic of things. Did you get to um, formulate? any type of relationship with Pedro before his untimely passing or how did that dynamic go down with you and him? Yeah. Um, Pedro and I, you know, we had mutual understanding and respect, but he was very clear to me as soon as I moved into the house that he didn't want to be friends. He, he just said to me, I'm, I don't have time for any more people in my life. I have, the people that I have and I have to give them all that I have got. So I just had to accept that and watch, you know, mm. him unfold from afar. And, um, that was kind of tough really. Right. Uh, cause I already felt like I was coming in late and, um, I was, I was 
I was not as included in some things, you know. Obviously, they had all their jokes, and you know, yeah. sometimes you don't, you know. And already, and I was already in America, so I was missing out on years of pop culture that they had all grown up on. So they were talking about things, and I didn't always understand. And that continued like way into my twenties, like all all through growing up in America. That continued because I was missing that gap, you know. Yeah. I've seen Sesame Street and MTV a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be, I'm sure a lot of people have. <laughs> but all the rest was not was not my go-to popular culture, so I couldn't make those jokes. Or, um, but I've learned to live with that really because I haven't stopped moving around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, what about? Oh so, yeah, I love Pedro, and I thought, and I, and I'm really proud of him. And um, but yeah, we didn't have. We could, we didn't get close. No. Yeah. Now, lastly, what about um? Once you got off the show, yours and uh, Rachel's relationship did that? How how did that? I guess progress or digress. I guess you could call it. Um, because you guys seem to be pretty close on the show. Rachel and I were like, I think they used to call us the Bopsy Twins or something like that. Like we were so close. We had such a fun loving friendship and I'm not that that was missing with Corey because we also had that and I want to say that now because when the edit came out it made it look like we were ignoring Corey and Corey wasn't part of it but and I'm sure some of that went happened but it wasn't intentional mm -hmm. like Corey was is a lovely person she was a lovely person then and she was a good friend um, it's just that with Rachel at that time, there was something that we just, it was an immediate like, you know, we were so close. Um, after the show, it was a little bit different. Um, I'm just trying to think back now to how it actually happened. Yeah, I, so basically everyone goes back to their lives, right? So, mm -hmm. but I didn't have a life. I'd moved from Tahoe to San Francisco and I'd done some college classes and I didn't know, I was like, what do I do now? Where do I go? <laughs> what do I do? And um, I stayed in San Francisco for six months and Rachel went on home. But unbeknown, you know, in the background, we had made plans. We were going to live together. We were going to be roommates. We were going to continue on the show you know, doing what we were doing. I was going to continue on with school because I was taking my BA at the time. And um, and so there were all these plans. And then uh, I didn't hear from her for a while. And I just, you know, she got involved in her life again. And um, I think from what I remember, her mom didn't really like her hanging out with me, which was very hurtful um and the relationship fizzled we saw each other a few times like when she come to LA I remember hanging out with her and her first baby Eva who oh was such a gorgeous little thing we 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 spent some time together if she came to LA um but no, I didn't see her very much. And I just, I mean, I had to get on with my life because I, I didn't have support. So I needed to find the next school I was going to, find the next job, find the next town I was going to, you know? Right. So, um, yeah. Also, there was another whole thing that was going on 
um, I'd moved to LA as well for a little while. Um, and I, uh, I don't know if we should talk about that yet, but yeah, so that's Rachel. Yeah, we didn't really see each other. So, hey, Rachel. <laughs> hey, Rachel. How you doing? <laughs> hey, Rachel. Hey, hi and bye. <laughs> she, she gave me the high and bye. <laughs> now give one right back. Pleased to meet you. See you later. You see, um, yeah, you and I talked a little bit on text about this too. So they're not too long after your um, real world season, they were coming out with road rules, and there was gonna be a first road rule season. You were almost on that one, right? Could you give me the lowdown on what happened there? Now I'm gonna spill some tea. Because, yeah, here we go. I've never spoken about this either. Um, one of the producers uh, on the show, you know, with us every day, Rachel and I used to flirt with everybody. We flirted with all the crew. We flirted with every male that was around. And it was a game for us. It was like this thing that we did. And it was a hee-hee-hee, ha-ha-ha. Well, one of the attractions got a little bit uh, more than just flirting. And so this producer and I were flirting occasionally. But then the other housemates were picking up on it, and, and especially Rachel. And Rachel was kind of encouraging me at the time. Um, but nothing was going to, I mean, we weren't doing anything, let me, let, because we weren't even dating on the show. It was really so harmless. It was like looking at each other or, you know, saying silly things to each other or whatever. It was so harmless. But when we had the rap party, of course, we were all dolled up, the thing's over. And there's been this like electric tension between me and this guy for a few weeks. And we're drinking. And we ended up kissing, and that was it. Like, <laughs> um, but that was a big no-no for Buna Murray, and we actually ended up dating for a while. Um, and he was the main guy who started Road Wolf. So, um, hey Clay. <laughs> um, so, he used me on Road Wolf then. So you were, but you would have been on. Um, I was told that I would have been on. Didn't because I was, I couldn't See. do any more shows because I was dating him. I mean, I had a whole meeting and everything at Buna Murray and they were like, are you guys going to let this out into the public or is this going to be a secret? Or it was like a huge thing. And then, and then they just kind of like, let me go kind of thing. Okay. Um, so I missed, I missed opportunity there because of who I wanted to date, basically. And it was a bit sad because obviously the relationship didn't work out. It was just, you know, I, I think we dated for about eight months and he was really serious. I, I broke it off with him um, and only because I wasn't 100% sure about the relationship. And I felt really bad about it at the time. But I'm sure he feels like he <laughs> probably saved himself. <laughs> 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 uh, 
um, at that point. Yeah, so it's all very difficult to talk about because I don't want to talk about people years after the fact, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. uh, when all that's kind of over and done with. And, and uh, he was a very lovely person, but probably not the right choice for me, you know, and that's what I'm talking about, about I didn't have the... It didn't have an emotional support. I didn't have anybody around me who had known me for years and years who was saying, maybe like take a step back and think right. about this. You know, I didn't have any of that. I was just like going with whatever kind of emotion, wherever emotions led me. And it wasn't always the best thing for me. <laughs> yeah, so... The other- Sorry, can I just say, though, the other thing that I didn't really realise at that stage, and I know we're going to get into mental health a little bit, but the other thing that I didn't realise at that stage um, uh, was that I was suffering so badly with social anxiety and and I didn't even know what it was then. Mm. I just thought that I was shy or being weird or i didn't know what was going you, you know you could you, yeah. i didn't know there weren't words for it then it wasn't something that was in my vocabulary to say i have social anxiety but i really did so any opportunity for me to kind of even though i wanted the spotlight it's weird to be out of it again and hiding away and be protected was seemed like the right thing to do at the time so yeah. <laughs> You, it, sometimes you just kind of when you're so young you don't even realize when something's happening to you like what's happening to you until you see it from like a different lens as you get older i guess you could say yeah so, yeah what were you doing though from that gap so you come off your real world obviously and then there's a very big gap in between uh doing the gauntlet it was at least like what what was your your real world came out in 94 was it or 90? 95 i think 95 so that would have been like a 10- 2006 yeah 2006 so that would have been an 11 year um gap what were you maybe up to during that nucleus you know i was the first thing was first was that i wanted to finish my degree mm-hmm. so I ended up moving to Santa Barbara. Um, I played around for a little while. I went to some little city colleges. Um, I went up to Mammoth Mountain and did a ski season up there, and I was ski patrol, and that was a whole nother (laughs) adventure. Millions of stories there. But um, then Mammoth Mountain, so I went from San Francisco to L.A. and up to Mammoth. And then from Mammoth Mountain to Santa Barbara. And I stayed in Santa Barbara for seven years. And I finished my degree. I went to City College first. I got into UCSB. Um, and it was like this huge thing for me. I was the first person in my family to ever go to university. So yeah. um, I was determined to do it. I always wanted to do it. I was always like, I'm going to graduate. You know, I'd seen all the movies. Well, I want to throw my hat up in the air. And <laughs> <laughs> that's the only thing you know about uni when you're you're watching on tv right you just see the graduation so <laughs> i but I, I i always wanted to go and my mom always co- encouraged me in terms of education you know she always wanted me to get a good education so i did that and i live with a family of artists um 
I keep talking about my exes, but it's sorry, that's my life, man. <laughs> Happens to I the best with of a us. wonderful family of artists and uh, and two sons. I was going out with one of them and the mum and dad, and we lived in Santa Barbara and we lived in some amazing houses and we painted murals for Las Vegas and mm -hmm. other um well not just for las vegas but anywhere in the world global that needed murals oil on canvas so um that was a real real adventure i mean i'd always been artistic but i'd never studied art and i wasn't studying art but popsy the dad of the family he was the first popsy and um he was the, the master artist and the mother was an artist too. The whole family were. And so I, they just embraced me and I just got really into this, you know, and we were into the rave scene and, you know, me and the, the son, we, we partied and did all those things, you know, and occasionally that was, I was with him when we did one of the reunions for, for real world. I think it was the first five years. Right. Yeah. Uh, and he came down with me, and uh, that was some wild times. And you, weren't you, uh, you were roommates for John for that one, weren't you? Out of control. <laughs> oh, man. Don't ever talk to John about that. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be watching I this. John, no, I think John said, I mean, I don't, I mean, we were drinking, we were doing all kinds of naughty things. I mean... It was, you know, a bunch of young people doing in Hollywood doing naughty stuff, right? So we we filmed the show, and I'm sh we had to share rooms, yeah. And I ended up with John, who I didn't really know John, but I I was one of those people that was like, hey, you know, I don't mind, you know, whatever. <laughs> and I think John said that in the middle of the night we woke him up because we all came back into the room and just stripped off and jumped into the bed like we were all like and there were three of us naked <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i think that's the story you'll have to ask him about it he'll be watching this <laughs> nothing happened by the way we oh, weren't okay. doing anything yeah. with him in the bed next door because i know that's quite a thing now like <laughs> yeah on some of these shows but it was still very innocent but, um, yeah, I think John was quite surprised, you know, because we just like, woohoo! <laughs> God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm waiting for you to get into these uh these Jim Carrey, Ben Stiller, and Brad Pitt stories that uh you and oh I. Oh my before. God! So yeah, I have to go back down to you got, LA you gotta, for that. So I'm you got to enlighten the people on this, Joe. Only only you've told me about this. The people got to know. The people got to know. So after Santa Barbara, I came from uni, but in taking acting classes, and I'd been seriously like I was thought I was going to be an actress I was like really serious in my craft I you know we were in a really serious school if you were 10 minutes late you didn't you had to sit through the whole class and you didn't get to act and it was mm -hmm. like a four-hour class on a Saturday morning and then on a Wednesday night as well so I I graduated and I had dreams of going to LA right <laughs> So here I am. I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. I was like, you know, 
and um, seen enough of the entertainment industry to know that I liked it and I felt comfortable in it. Yeah. Um, so here I, 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 I go down to LA and uh, you don't put anything about real world on your headshots. I get these cheesy old headshots done <laughs> with my phone number on the little card and everything. <laughs> <laughs> and so I start working. I was there for four years. Um, I worked, I didn't ever get a role. I worked as background. But that, that, was, that was great. I loved it. You know, I worked really hard. In the beginning, I was non-union. I would get paid like $50 a day or something for, you know, it was awful. We'd get fed, yeah. which I was grateful for because I was starving, you know. like. <laughs> um, it also afforded me some really good opportunities to meet some really people that I would have never have met, you know. Um, I worked on this one. Oh, I think it was Bruce Almighty. Right. And it was directed by Tom Shadjak. Mm -hmm. And Tom Shadjak, there were like 600 extras there. And Tom Shadjak recognized me. Wow. And he came over and he introduced himself and he said, oh, thanks so much for coming to work on my set, blah, blah, blah. And he was so lovely. And he, you know, kind of took me under his wing and I worked quite a few days or weeks on that, on that film and uh, got to know Jim Carrey and uh, which was pretty magic, really. I mean, you'd go in with all these extras and, you know, everyone's hungry to be an actor and they all want to meet the star. But Jim would come up and he'd come up and he'd, oh, Joanna, and he'd give me two kisses. He'd kiss me on the cheek and He'd say, come sit with me, and I'd go sit with him. And it was like when iPods first came out, and I was sitting, I remember sitting on the grass with him, and we had one headphone each, and we were listening to his iPod and chatting. And he's a really lovely, lovely person. Um, and I did give him one of my cheesy old <laughs> headshot photo cards with the phone number on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> and actually I don't know if he had anything to do with it but later on I was going through a bit of a rough patch this was I think right before Gauntlet um, I was going through some, some stuff and um, I got a call to go and be on be the stand, stand in for the little girl on Lemony Snicket the mm, next wow. movie he did and I was a bit messed up and I just didn't go. I just didn't show up. And I, you know, it's one of my biggest regrets really, because I don't know if Jim had anything to do with it, but it would have been nice to spend like six months working on a movie with them and like actually getting myself established in LA properly and maybe getting a life and a career out of it, you know, rather than, yeah. And what I ended up doing, which was, you know, Gauntlet comes right after that. So when I was going through all that and not showing up for work, then Gauntlet happened, right? So I was already in a bad place. Um, and still a one as well, loved him. 
I got to have a little dance with him and his wife and Christi- Christine Taylor wow. at this party um, for Starsky and Hutch because I worked on that. And um, um, not, not, you know, I got invited because I was me, not the extras didn't normally get invited to these kind of things so oh, <laughs> all right. listening, don't go to, to la to your horn a little bit <laughs> no i'm just saying like i i'm not tooting the horn i'm just being honest like i would never have expected this these kind of things to happen in my life yeah but i think that's how real world opened a few doors for me if you know mm-hmm. what i mean because even though it wasn't opening doors for me in terms of work like those people had seen me. They knew me, you know? That's so cool. <laughs> That's very yeah. cool. Um, and at that point, it was cool because real, real world was cool then, you know? Yeah. I mean, no, I'm not, not dissing any of the new cast or whatever. I just don't know enough about it. So I'm not going to mm-hmm. judge uh, anyone for what's going on. It was just very different from how right. ours were. So was the gauntlet was the only call, right? Like, were there any challenge calls coming into you, like, before that one while you were? I hadn't heard from MTV since we did, like, the 10-year reunion. Okay. Uh, And I hadn't heard. No, I hadn't heard a thing. So I got that call. I was like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm union now. I don't, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing that. But I was hungry, and I don't mean uh, for uh, work. I mean, I was hungry, hungry, like I needed to eat. <laughs> and uh, I needed a paycheck, you know? It was, this happened in LA when it was the union actor strike, and we weren't, there wasn't any work. And so that's why, again, I really messed up with this whole Jim Carrey, like, lemony sticket thing. Um, because you know, I didn't have any work. I was living in an apartment. I had a, a car payment. I had rent to pay. You know, rent's not cheap in yeah. LA. <laughs> and um, so when they called me, at first I was like, no, I'm not doing that. But as a few weeks went by and I still wasn't getting booked, I was like, I better do this job. And I actually had to call my dad and ask him to loan me the money so I could pay my rent to cover it while I was gone. So you made a couple sacrifices to make the gauntlet happen. Yeah, because I thought I was going to get a paycheck out of the at the end of it. And I had no business going on that show because I had no idea what I was getting myself in for. I'd never seen a show. I'd, I'd only ever seen seasons of the real world up to about season five. <laughs> <laughs> so you know we're talking like really tame tame stuff tame people i wasn't expecting you know i thought like a competition show was gonna be like it's a knockout or something, you know something like that where you film for a little bit and then you get off and then you film for a little bit more but it's gonna be more real worldy with the cameras around more but i didn't know there were cameras you know, they were they were filming in the bathrooms and like like there were slats in the bathroom doors and they were open and it's like I just wasn't expecting that kind of that lack of privacy. Yeah, no, I just wasn't prepared at all. 
mentally I was in a bad state from being in a bad state. So it was a whole like relation of, you know, and when you think about it, the reason why I went there was because I needed a paycheck. So it was kind of fight or flight. I was already going out of a need, you know. I wasn't going, oh, because I'm going to have a great time and I'm really looking forward to doing this, you know. And I, and I would have to assume <laughs> that uh, going to a show like that after, like, over a decade of a layoff had to have been a bit of a culture shock for you as well. And, like, I'm sure you said you must have known, like, the Cyruses and the Beths of the world that were going to be there, but everyone else had to be a little foreign to you. Yeah, I mean, I'd met Cyrus and Beth a few times. And we've always been really friendly, but I wasn't friends with anybody there. I didn't know anybody there. Nobody really knew me there. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and I'd never seen the show. I wish that production beforehand, because they said to me, um, watch the show before you come. And I said, I don't have cable or whatever it was that I needed at that time to watch it. And so they said, come into the office and... Uh, so you hear my social anxiety was such that I didn't want to go into the office from social anxiety. But if I had to do something, I would do it. But so I didn't go in there and watch the videos. I just thought oh, I can handle this like everything else I've done in my life. You know, we're going to get into the pressing topic that I'm sure everyone's going to want to hear about. But before we do that, I just want to talk about that first challenge that you guys had on that. It was raining. You guys were on top of this little dock thing. What what was that experience like? That seemed like a pretty nuts thing to do. I mean, it wasn't that nuts to me. <laughs> Because it just seemed like part of, you know, the whole process. Oh, yeah, we're going to go on this dock. We're going to pay paper, scissors, stone. People are going to jump in. And I actually almost lost that. I almost lost it because I almost jumped in before she did. Mm -hmm. Was it Ruthie? Was it? It was her. Was it? Who was on the last person Kina. on there with me? It was Kina. Kina. Okay. It was Kina. And she said we would jump off together hold hands and jump off together but I don't know if she was trying to trick me so I would lose something in me stopped me at the last minute I think I can't really remember but I remember kind of hesitating and stopping and she hit the water first and that's why I still won yeah which I mean based on like the rules of that season being the team captain I ultimately didn't end up uh working in their favor I guess because I mean, I don't know what happened because I never saw it, but... Yeah, um, we'll, we'll get what into that. To the guy uh, that got team captain. The rule was he... like, whenever whenever the team would lose, the team captain would have to go in to elimination automatically. Ah, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Because th these, yeah, these I are... I would have been out, I would have been out way early then, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, these, are, these are some misconceptions about... Um, you know, why you left people coming up with like, uh, some theories. They thought maybe the team captain thing played a part and then like, uh, something with your bed. But since you and I are here right now, this is about 17, 16, whatever years you want to call it in the making. <laughs> this is the truth. Nothing but the truth. Let's just get it out of the way. I want you to set the stage for me from your recollection. Of course, what you could remember and just, you could take it from as much as you want to explain 
of what really went down on that fateful 2006 night in the island of Tobago on the Gauntlet 2. Oh, God, the island of Tobago. Whenever anyone says the island of Tobago now, all I can hear is Zach Braff because I remember working on Scrubs with him and having lunch with him one day, and he was so teasing me about the Gauntlet. Oh, this was after. This was after, yeah. Oh, okay. So I did work a little bit after, but then I ended up leaving shortly after that. I'm leaving the country and, and my home for 14 years. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so whenever anyone says Island of Tobago, all I see is him saying that. <laughs> um, let me take myself back there. Difficult because I don't really remember that much and I haven't seen it. So this is a completely like, this is completely my view because I haven't seen the edit or anything. Um, I remember doing that challenge. I remember leaving us wet and cold like five hours and they wouldn't let us in the house. And I couldn't understand why they wouldn't let us in the house. And, and everyone kept saying, oh, they do this stuff. They do this stuff. But to me, I was used to working in Hollywood now. I wasn't used to being treated like this. I was like, well, surely we can get dry and, and you know, hang out for a little while. But they said they were getting the house ready. But... Um, so I was already kind of irritated from that getting cold and, and being wet and for a girl being in a wet swimsuit for hours is not really comfortable. I wouldn't um, imagine so. I'm sure it's not for a boy either, but. <laughs> I wouldn't imagine so. So that was the start of it all. Really just that really starting to feel uncomfortable and re looking around and not really knowing anyone. And like, I remember talking to Beth in the van and just feeling really uncomfortable, like not really wanting to open up or talk to her or anything. <laughs> I don't know. I just that's that's when I that's when it started. So anyway, we went into the house, changed again. I mean, we were like, oh, the house, and the house, the house was okay. I wasn't that impressed, honestly. I, I, <laughs> I'm, you know. I've seen nicer places, but it was okay, you know, but some of the younger kids were like, yeah, yeah, and they got really excited to have a swimming pool and all those things. So the drinking started. I remember contacting a guy that I was seeing in LA. Just, he was looking after my dog as well, so I wanted to check on my dog. Um, and I didn't really realize this about me and Chihuahuas when I got my first Chihuahua uh, or at that stage, but they really are my therapy dogs, you know, like really 100%. So I was, that was another thing. I was really missing my dog as well. <laughs> like my, my baby, my child. And look, I don't know. I have to say premise this with something else because wherever I am, I always feel like an outsider. And this is something that I am, exploring more now with kind of more uh release about adult autism and I don't know if that's something because I've never been diagnosed if that's something I have but I definitely have some of those qualities like I society being number one but definitely like um sometimes when things get too like just that situation in the gauntlet it it got too noisy, too fast. It just like flipped me over the edge. And I know that like sometimes pe people would say, oh, that's just her trying to make an excuse for that. 
and I'm not trying to make any excuses. I am genuinely trying to explore what happened to me then, but that's not been the only time I've reacted like that in a situation. So, and I also have, um, you know, I try to put myself in small spaces. Like when I was a kid, I would go and put myself in the in the wardrobe, you know, and, and, and hide. So there's things about my life that I still need to explore um, in that sense. And I, you know, autism's got a really wide spectrum, so I could be on it somewhere. And I want to explore that yeah. so that I have more understanding of myself. Um, so that's one thing. Um, I remember it all getting a bit much in the house because everybody was really drinking loads and it was getting loud. And I kind of bonded with Derek and um, he said, do you want to go out for a smoke? So I said, yeah. He said, let's go down onto the driveway. I said, oh, you managed to get some. And he's like, yeah, yeah, we always figure it out. I guess he'd been on these shows before. Everybody figures out to get what they need to, to enjoy themselves. So we went out and sat in the driveway and we're just chatting. And it was all normal and it was fine. And I was really chilled out, obviously. <laughs> and I was in a good mood. And back into the house and went up to my room. And this is what tripped me out. I, the floor, the camera guy was on the floor with the camera filming through the slats in the bathroom. What I don't even know who was in there, but they were having sex or they were in the mode of having sex, undressing each other, or I don't know. Like, you know, this, was, what this, wasn't, they on were your, at. this wasn't on your bed, right? Like, this didn't occur. I didn't see anybody on my bed at this point. Okay. There wasn't anybody on my bed. They were okay. in the bathroom and the crew were filming them in the bathroom. And I walked in and I went, what the fuck are you doing? Excuse me. You said <laughs> that to the camera guy? Yeah. I was like, what are you doing? And they were like, and there was a, there was, there was like two people standing around from production like that. And they were watching these, these kids. And I just felt immediately like really protective. Don't forget that like these kids are in their early 20s. And I was already 30, 30 something at this stage. I felt like I needed to protect them. And I was like, you know, that's horrible. Don't, you know, and I started yelling at them. And, um, and, and I started to get into an argument with production about, you know, the boundaries of things. And, you know, <laughs> I didn't know that, that the kids did all this stuff. I didn't know that they were doing this. But, but actually, I felt for the position these kids were in and what they were actually doing in the bathroom, it was a little bit more than just, you know, grabbing a boob or someone's butt. It was like they were actually in the throes of doing stuff, right? Yeah. I don't know exactly what. And I don't want to say even if I do, but I just felt like they shouldn't be filming that. For the mm -hmm. money that we're getting, <laughs> yeah. you know, that they're not, they're not, you know, and these kids – that could ruin their lives. I just, so mm -hmm. I, that's where the whole argument started. Mm -hmm. Then, so more and more production came in and I was like going off about them. And then the kids started to come in and then I looked at the bed and there's chocolate sauce all over and I'm free. And I, at this stage I'm like, and I'm supposed, cause they're saying to me, don't, cause I'd already said I want to leave. Right. Mm -hmm. I'd already said I, I was a victim of, 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 of child abuse 
um, sexual abuse. So seeing that happen, also the fact that I'm that victim, that triggered me, you know? But at this point, I'm like, these people are being exploited, they're kids, you know? And it really upset me. And um, so I was already saying I was gonna go. And then I saw the bed and I was like, oh, I can't, I can't live like this, you know? There was chocolate sauce. I didn't know anybody had been in there. All I saw was chocolate sauce all over the bed like that. And But it really, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, come on. You're going to let them come in here and do this stuff. This is stupid. I want to go home. So then the next thing, there's a, a few of the kids came in because they'd heard the arguing, right? And the couple from the bathroom, I don't even remember who they were. I, I, probably, I wouldn't recognize them even if I saw them today, you know? So, um, but the initial thing was I was like really shocked about that filming them doing what they were doing. Then I started getting my suitcase and somebody had been through all my stuff and they'd thrown all my stuff everywhere. And I was like, no, this is it, I'm going home. So I got the suitcase out. I started to get my stuff but I, together and I was standing at the end of the bed and I remember talking to Ruthie and I was going, no, I'm going home, I'm going home. And I turned around and she jumped on my back and pushed me down on the bed. And for about what felt like about 30 seconds, I couldn't breathe. I was like, like, you know, face in the, the covers. So this is probably where the manhandled and, line came from. Exactly. So I got her off. That was when I flipped. I mean, I just, it was like a switch. It was like, like night and day from that point. That's when it really escalated. And that was when I was like, I mean, I can't envision how I was, but I know I was screaming. I was screaming at production. I was screaming at the cast. I didn't want to know anybody. Everybody kept trying to come and talk to me and say, it's okay. And that, but I didn't know anyone. I was in a state of fight and flight. I didn't know any of these people. All I wanted to do was get out of there. And I was, and they, and production was saying that I couldn't leave. They were saying that I couldn't leave the house. That they weren't going to let me leave. And so I said, you can't do that. I'm good. You, you have to let me leave. I'm, and, and they wouldn't. So I called the police. You know, on the island of Tobago, I called the police and said, the MTV keeping me here and I want to leave the house because I'm getting, you know, picked on and roughed up. And I felt really bullied because at one stage I was surrounded by about 20, at least 20 people, like in a circle around me. And I'm a small person. I'm tiny, right? Against some of these really big American kids or any kids that are big. I'm just a small person, right? But I was, I felt really unsafe and, and I, I didn't feel unsafe like someone was going to kill me, but I just had lost it, right? Obviously. I wanted to get out and calm down and be on my own. But they let it go so far. I couldn't come back from that. Mm -hmm. I literally, and I mean, it took a long time. I had a s serious breakdown after, like, I really, really suffered. I'm not saying it was all that fault because I was already in a bad place. I premised it with that. I was already, right. but I came out of it in a terrible, terrible place. And um, 
Yeah, took me a while to kind of pick up the pieces. Uh, yeah, because I had to kind of reinvent my life again. I moved back to England, and then I had to reinvent myself all over again, and and leave that behind. And um, that wasn't easy, you know. I loved living in America. I loved LA. I loved working in the industry. If I could have worked in the industry my whole life, I would have done it because I loved it. Um, I didn't have to be in the spotlight. I was happy to PA extra. I was happy to do all yeah. those jobs, you know. And I know that I would have worked myself up, worked my way up because I'm intelligent. So I wouldn't yeah. have had a problem doing that. And in those kind of situations, you aren't stressed like I was there. You aren't you aren't triggered like I am. You know, this is this was a whole set of like triggers for me that really set me off and nobody could reach me. And when I got to the hotel, it just got worse and worse because they, they sent me to a hotel and they, they said, you can't go home yet. Or, you know, they said they couldn't get flights or whatever. I can't remember, but they kept me there for a couple of nights trying to get me to come back in the house. Really? Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't go. But they, I'm, I assume they tried to get like an exit interview for you as well, right? Since that's what they, they did. Like when, when I got back to LA, they, well, they didn't pay me. They didn't pay me. They, they, didn't, they didn't pay they you pay for me. going on the show. Do you know why? Like, did they explain why? So that broke the contract. What was the contract that you broke? I was to be there until I got eliminated or whatever. Mm-hmm. I thought it was like an appearance check that you get for just showing up. No, because I left. I don't know. I, I mean, I didn't know about contracts those days. I didn't even read it. <laughs> I've got to be honest. I yeah. didn't read it. I read the first one. I read the real world one because I was really excited and really interested at that point. But by the time it got round to um, to Gauntlet, I'd seen enough dodgy <laughs> MTV contracts that I was like, okay, this is just going to be the same as the other. All I want to know is how much I'm going to get paid, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> well... That's just now after hearing you kind of explain your side of the story, pretty much all I could chalk it up to is the power of the editing. Of course, you've never seen it, but just from like the fans who've seen it and myself, of course, like the way that thing was kind of depicted was we didn't it just kind of made it seem like you randomly called the cops and said you got manhandled, of course, without really much substance behind it, Um, which I guess makes sense for them to depicted that way if, if uh you know i don't know why they wouldn't have shown the bit where ruthie jumped on my back though i uh, i suppose they didn't want to make her look like the bad person or yeah i don't know yeah and but <laughs> <laughs> so there were there was definitely some factors some factors within yourself that maybe brought out your reaction but there was substance of course like you didn't just randomly go and uh do that for no reason you know um no so now at least no i mean look uh the way i reacted and i'm only going off of what i remember because i haven't seen it i know it was extreme Mm. because i know how i am in those flight and flight situations and i i I admit openly it's not the first time that i've reacted like that in my life you know i've suffered with it because and that's why i'm looking now for explanations of that Mm -hmm. you know yeah it doesn't necessarily happen anymore 
<laughs> well, I mean, we, I, I'm glad that uh, you and I were able to connect and we were able to, um, you know, kind of make this thing happen. And, um, yeah. you know, one day, one day when the time's right, um, you and I on our own accord can uh, maybe watch that and, and uh, you know, put, put the final nail in the coffin. Do you have Google Box in America? I should. I have Google Drive. Google Box is a TV show. It's like it's it's a TV show of people watching TV. Oh, really? And have you not? Oh, you probably don't get it in America then. So what it is like, it's a bunch of normal people, just like mm -hmm. middle, middle of the road people sitting watching TV and their reactions. So but it's really funny. Uh, and that, that, when you said that, we should do like a Google Box version of it. because. <laughs> That's where you that? get the live reaction, right? Yeah. <laughs> one day, one day, when the time is right, I we can do that. I'm, I'm, I mean, I, ha I have it on DVD, but I, I don't even know if I have it in this country. Mm -hmm. I think it might be still in England. I don't know. Yeah. One, one last thing. Was there like, what did you do, maybe in, in terms of like the mental health aspect of things? Because I know they do offer like therapy and stuff. Did you try to pursue any of that from them? after that well yeah i did i mean when we got done with the real world okay they offered us six weeks of therapy i think at that point but when i got done with the real world i didn't feel like i needed therapy i was having the best time in my life i had a free apartment for, for another six months in san francisco i was you know i was still living my best life you know and not mm really feeling like I was ready to even discuss any of that yet. And it wasn't until after Pedro died um, and I s we'd seen all the shows and everything that I was really ready for anything. Um, but when I asked for it the first time after Real World, they said I was too late. They said, oh, no, that was just for the first few weeks when you finished. And I said, but I wasn't ready then. And they, they said, oh, well, we're not doing it now. So that was that. And then when I got out with Gauntlet and they were trying to get me to do the exit video and everything, I said the same thing, you know, you know, it, um, what about that therapy that was available before? You know, I'm obviously going through a really tough time. And they said, no. And they didn't pay me. <laughs> and I said, well, you're not getting your interview. It's just how it works, right? Don't give me my <laughs> therapy. You don't get your interview. Keep it moving. I felt like I'd given them enough, really. I mean, exposing myself to that extent was enough. And yeah. I mean, who wants that? I mean, nobody wants to see themselves angry. I don't want to see myself angry and 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 acting like that and shouting at people. That's horrible. That's horrible. That's that's like the you know, the worst part of me that could ever be that came out, you know? <laughs> so. Well, I've, I've been saying for a while that I think there should be uh, like a default set in place mental health um, post-show, post-filming, post-production, whatever you want to call it, environment for the cast once they get off of shows. Like, they should go into some mm. bubble that's not normal life, but it's not like isolation either, a more controlled environment more controlled environment with less people um so that way before making that like harsh transition back into like a normal life they at least have like some acclimation 
it was so hard coming off the real the real world and going back into normal life going back into college and um trying to get a job at at 22 and being in college i mean i remember getting i moved to santa barbara and i remember getting a job in in lazy acres one of the health food stores big you know health food supermarket kind of store and i was on the till and my till line was longer than anybody else's every day and people would just up, get, get in my line because they recognized me from the show and they would talk to me about that and they, they would be like oh what are you doing in here are you studying for a part like they thought i was actually studying like actors do like oh she's just working in a supermarket because she's going to have a role where she's yeah. playing like she's working somewhere. no i'm working in a supermarket to pay my bills <laughs> 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 gotta make money whichever way you can do it it's name of the game i only worked there a couple of months i couldn't handle it i you know so stuff like that it was really hard um because people they thought of you a little bit like you were a movie star yeah they did i had people chase me down i remember being at a chili peppers concert with friends and we were in the vip section which was all fenced off and we'd left to go and get beers and they didn't even know my friends didn't even know i was on the real world but i hadn't even told them and we went out to get beers and we came back and then all of a sudden we just heard all this screaming joe it's joe from the real world people were we started i i started walking faster i was in front carrying two beers we were all we were all double fisted <laughs> <laughs> and my friends were just like you you their faces were priceless you couldn't imagine what they were you know they were like what is going on why is everybody screaming your name we're at a chili peppers concert <laughs> like why yeah. are they screaming for you they were like crammed like we got into the vip bit again and they were like trying to get up the fence that was the most kind of mob thing that I ever experienced, but it was really wild. Yeah, Joe from the real world. Oh, <laughs> uh, maybe maybe some of that'll happen uh, once this video is up virtually for you. In terms of <laughs> maybe once people are, I'm just. You know what? I'm only doing this for you, Mike, because I didn't want to expose myself again. But you are such a likable person that I just couldn't let you down. Oh, thank you. And that's you. the honest truth. <laughs> Well, you're likable too, Joe. Truth. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad, uh, <laughs> and I hope that, and I'm sure, once this is out and people, you know, are going to enjoy this thoroughly, um, and this is exactly what I wanted out of this. I know from talking to you this last half year, um, I see the person that you are, and I'm hoping that uh, once this is out there, that um, people have the same sentiments that I do. And um, of course, you and I are going to remain. You and I are going to remain in touch, um, and then you're going to get filled in on all the other craziness that's going on in my life um so, i gotta yeah. get out to new york to eat vegan crispy creams with you me you and john if when john me, you sees and john, i mean there's so much vegan food in new york man i would love to have a trip i'll get my happy cow wrap out and we'll just eat our way around new york <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good to me <laughs> <laughs> all right um i'll let you know when this is out uh we'll see uh, i don't know what time it's uh 10 14 over here by me so i would assume that's what five no not five five is three three over by you all right so we'll see what time this gets out and hopefully uh maybe you'll still be awake when i first put this out um but again thank you for uh your time today joe i had a fun time and i hope none of this gets me into any trouble 
No. But, uh, <laughs> All right. I just I just feel like I've said some naughty things, but I haven't really. I've I've been honest. I've been honest and I've tried to be fair and I've tried to be fair to production and I've tried to be fair to the cast and to myself more than, you know, most of all. So Yeah. Um, and it's been lovely talking to you. Lovely talking <laughs> to you too, Joe. All right. Uh I'll text you once we're off this, of course, and um have a great uh have a great rest of your day. I will. Thanks, Mike. Bye-bye, Bye. Joe. Thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you.